Welcome back to Cranky Commentaries. Uh, today, we're coming back with part two of Moneyball. As always, I am Jake Del Mastro, and I'm joined by my good friend here, Keaton Byer. Hello, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. Excellent. Uh, so, we sort of... Um, last week, we kind of got into some of the production. We talked a bit about sabermetrics. We yeah, talked a little yeah. bit about the real-life Billy Bean. This yeah. week, uh, what are we going to get into, Keaton? Uh, okay, so we're going to... Oh, yeah, um, we talked about Star Trek, too. Yeah, we talked a lot about Star Trek, but... Yeah, um, this week we're going to talk um, kind of the rest of production. You know, we left off. We had just got the director, Bennett Miller, into the project. We're going to talk about his involvement. We're going to talk about... Um, some of the people uh, who cameoed in the film, because there's some fun ones. Um, and then we're just going to kind of talk about the accolades and uh, our opinion on the movie. And, you know, there might be a hint of the truth later on, but you never oh, know. Oh, yeah? Only um, a little bit? <laughs> I mean, hint. this movie was pretty much all truth, though, right? Yeah, well, it's a tr- based on a true based story. Based on a true so. story, man. That's all, all you need to know. Yeah. It's true. All right, so let's 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 go right for it. So as I said, Bennett Miller is just signed on. As we said last time, he's quite picky. He hasn't worked on a on a movie since two thousand five. That's a um, big fucking gap. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty big gap, especially. For Do you know if he somebody. was like if he like was working on production for anything else, or like you know, was he just like sitting around at home like waiting for a script to come in? <laughs> I got the feeling it was the latter, but I'm not sure. He probably did have some stuff on the go. Yeah, like I'm wondering if maybe he had some projects that got canceled or something. He definitely talked a lot about film, like films that he wanted to make. So I think he had like ideas for stuff that were kind of like, you know, in various points. Right, but for whatever reason, it didn't come together. Or it would just be like, you know, the people hadn't come together to make it and he's not too, yeah, exactly. He's not too, uh, broken up about it not immediately happening he'll wait <laughs> right <laughs> it exactly. seems picky um but he he skeptically signs on really um because yeah well you know i mean there's a lot of big personalities involved you got scott rudin involved now yeah um, you know um amy pascal's really playing a big role she's pretty high up in sony right you had the, um, the writers too Aaron yeah, Sorkin the writers are all Zalian. Exactly, and Brad Pitt. Not to mention Brad Pitt, who's yep. involved in production now too. So he's got a say. So um, a lot of big personalities at play here, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a bit worried he wasn't going to be able to do what he wanted. Yeah. Um. So I think what it seems like his plan here, when he kind of signed on, is he was just going to pitch what he saw the movie to be, and if they stuck with it, then he would stick with the project. Okay. Um. So, the movie he pitched to Brad Pitt specifically was um, a movie that was quote unquote subversive to the genre. It's not really a conventional sports movie. It puts all that stuff on its head. I mean, yeah. Like, I don't know if it ended up really being a conventional sports movie. Although at not the same at time, all, I don't no. know if it didn't. Uh, it had. That's where it's interesting. Yeah. It had like, I think that's why it became kind of an Oscar film because it had so many elements 
of a conventional sports film just told in such a non-conventional way yeah the way you got from point a to point b was not how you would in a sports film yet it hit all the same peaks yeah it's true yeah i mean like i feel like you know part of that probably comes from the background of like you know i feel like not a lot of the people involved in this movie had been involved in sports uh up until this point you mean what do you mean yeah so like um i don't know you have like first off like you have um like uh fucking michael lewis coming from like an economics background yeah and then you have sorry i mean that's yeah the whole movie (laughs) starts from an economic yeah um, yeah yeah but um, point and then you have like you know um a bunch of other guys like that uh uh, like I mean, I don't think Brad Pitt really knew much about baseball coming into this. Um, so it's like a whole bunch of people that didn't really know anything about baseball, but like you know, yeah, the closest they came was the so- uh, Soderbergh, yeah, period, yeah, exactly, where they like actually had some real baseball players in the movie mm-hmm. acting though, not like yeah. acting, yeah, acting doesn't really make sense. Um. But yeah, so so, but I mean, it is almost in a sense like incidental that there is any baseball at all in this movie. It's kind of like Raging Bull, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, right. It's more about the yeah. It's like like Raging Bull is not a movie about boxing, you know what I mean? No. But there's yeah. boxing in it. Yeah, it's the same kind yeah, of thing. Same it's kind like, of you idea. Know, this movie isn't about baseball, but there's baseball in it. Yeah. And again, it hits all those same peaks that a normal sports movie would. Exactly. Exactly. Like Miller also said, uh, I wasn't interested in making a sports movie, just recycling tropes and convention. Then I'd just be a gun for hire working for the studio. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah. Um, but the question was, how do you avoid that? Brad said it will be a Trojan horse. You know, he well, knows can... a thing or two about Trojan horses. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's why. I didn't... That's hilarious. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Um, <laughs> Brad said it will be a, uh, be a Trojan horse. We'll give them the gift of a Hollywood movie starring Brad Pitt. I love the idea of Brad Pitt saying this. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Is Brad Pitt speaking in the third person here? Yeah, well, the, the, Brad. This is Brad Pitt's theory for it being a Trojan horse. Okay. Um, we'll give them a gift of uh the gift of a Hollywood movie starring Brad Pitt. That's going to be real entertainment, but inside it, uh, it it is some cargo that is not really accepted in a vintage way. Something that they don't anticipate. Yeah, actually, like, I don't know. Yeah. I definitely think, like, once again, like, the thesis that they are making in this movie about analytics and everything, it's, like, was not uncontroversial. Yeah, exactly. It was was not accepted in sports quite yet, really. But but then they, they kind of made the movie as if, like, you know, it was clear that this is, like that this is the way to go yeah they made it from kind of like an omnipotent standpoint almost yeah. like and, and for like the record is... i i agree with their point 
on that. Yeah, I but. think we're both on the same page with that, but but there are arguments against it. Obviously, exactly, yeah. um, I haven't really explored the the all of them, but there are arguments against it, and people make those arguments all the time. Dinosaurs make those arguments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, exactly, but like the way those kinds of people are portrayed in this movie is like, yeah, pretty pretty tone deaf. Yeah, like not that their portrayal was tone deaf. I just mean the the the, the portrayal of them mm-hmm. as tone deaf. Yeah. I mean? Um, but I mean, once again, I think like you know this was probably a lot of people's first introduction to that concept. Yeah, he's watching this movie, so I I, I do think that it kind of like made people think a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, so I do think a lot of a lot of the the vision at this point came directly from uh Bennett. I think mm-hmm. he kind of really uh dove into it. Mm-hmm. Um and Amy Pascal said um he had wonderful vision for the movie. Um Scott, Rachel, and Mike and I all believed he was fantastic with actors and this movie was going to be about performance and getting inside the characters because it was really a character study, Mm. which I think is a really interesting quote. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Totally. Like, whether or not, like, Billy Bean's character is the same as the one that they show on screen, his sort of arc is the whole, like, backbone of the movie, right? Yeah, his arc from like to acceptance, and as that song kind of sums up, enjoying the show. Yeah. Know? Um. Yeah, his is that's yeah that's definitely the backbone, and then you also have uh, Jonah Hill having his little arc as well. Yeah, exactly. And he, I think yeah, no, totally, because then you have and then you have the archetypes that you have to like throw against these characters. Um. Like like you like the old scout guys who are yeah. like really um uh kind of overdone but in a way that's like do you know what I'm saying like yeah I, I know what you mean like you know uh the 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 guys in the room in the in the room in the beginning like all sitting around the table that's one of my favorite scenes is like uh, yeah you know what what are we trying to do here sell jeans like you know yeah yeah like it's almost a comic take on on what yeah. that room would be like without being like uh, uh absurd or surreal or anything. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I think that speaks to how good the the um screenplay was. Yeah, definitely. 100% agree. So yeah, speaking of that song um enjoy the show, I think it's called. Yeah. I, um, I think it's just called the show. The show. Yeah. Um they hired the 13-year-old Karis uh, Dorsey mm-hmm. um, on the merit of her audition. Um, and they said on her impossibly perfect song choice. So it looks oh, like so she, she, ch- she picked the song. She came to the audition with that song. Really? Did they know? Is, did, in the script, did it say that she played? I guess she played guitar in the script. Yeah, I think yeah. she sang a song in the script. Right, right, right. So, um... That's funny, actually. Now that I know that she picked it, because yeah, you want to know something about that song. What it hadn't been written in two thousand and two. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. When was it written? I, I don't actually know, but uh, let me just uh, 
Dilla, that's Dilla check that. Um, well, that's a good catch. Good catch. Don't let them get away with any of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the song came out in 2008. So quite a oh, bit after. Come on. Quite. So I don't know after. if they're like implying that like Billy Bean's daughter actually wrote that song. I, I don't think that's what they're implying. <laughs> but like, I I guess no, I they just just took a license with creative that. license choice. Just like yeah. yeah, because how could she have been playing that song in two thousand two when it had been? Yeah. Written? It's because the song was impossibly perfect. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that makes a little bit more sense that she picked it. Because, like, yeah. I feel like if you got, like, I don't know, somebody on the, like, one of the writers or something to, or or the director uh, to pick the song, they would have probably, like, uh, you know, decided not to use it because of that. Yeah. Uh, Whereas I'm sure that when she brought it to them, they they decided it was impossibly perfect. And then they probably did the research and then just were like, yeah, fuck it. Nah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Um yeah. uh so when and when it comes to the um the script, because at this point we're not really sure what's going on, right? We have these mm-hmm. two guys kind of independently uh writing things, but um you know, it's not coming together until Bennett comes onto the scene. Um and he essentially the two writers would send him pages and he would just like stitch them together into the script that he wanted, which, right. you know, is interesting again, why, um, how much credit he would have in, in, uh, in the script at that point. I'm not sure. Yeah. When was this around? This is 2010, I think. Right. Okay. So they're like, like getting ready to film it. Yeah. Early yeah. summer, 2010 in this area. Um, so then we get to the music, um, yeah. So Miller hired uh Michael da- Dana? Dana? I'm I'm not sure. Dana? Michael. Yeah. I I think it's yeah, I'm not quite sure. The same composer who he had worked with on uh, Capote. Right. And I don't really know much of his other work besides Capote. Off Canadian the top of my board. head. Yeah, is he from Toronto? Um it says here born in Winnipeg, but it says origin nice. in Toronto. So <laughs> what does origin mean? I don't know. It, it looks like he uh he studied uh music at UFT. Right. Yeah. Origin Toronto. <laughs> yeah, he um Dana said Dana. Fuck. This is gonna bother me Dana. the whole time. Let's just go with Dana. 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 Okay. Um he said uh about the soundtrack. Uh, baseball is a tradition-loving sport, and we wanted to use traditional instruments, um, but come up with a new, slightly unexpected take. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's basically, like, uh, pretty standard orchestral instruments, but, like, it's, it's like, definitely Sparse. super minimalist. Like, it's in the... Yeah. The, it, it's in, like, the very specific, like, minimalist tradition. Yeah. Where, where you have, like... Um, uh, I don't know, like Philip Glass or whatever kind of, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think I like, it's very the, like repetitive and uh, like, you know, rhythmic. Rhythmic. Yeah. And again, sparse, like yeah. I can't stress enough. I think um, like watching this movie, you, you, you realize there's so many 
quiet perfectly quiet moments there's actually there's no music yeah at all. so many like, bits where there's no soundtrack at all like i would say I, I would say a majority of the movie actually maybe yeah yeah i mean i, I don't know i know that for sure i didn't like measure it but no yeah i didn't fucking saber metrics this movie no no cinematrics although maybe i should have maybe i should do cinematrics <laughs> that's a good name we should do that it must be a thing um yeah but the the um i think the music really uh made this movie for me in a lot of ways yeah um, i mean it often does it plays such an important i mean it role. definitely elevated a lot of scenes especially given the contrast between the bits without music yeah and i think yeah the lack thereof is almost as important as the music like when you know he's um throwing the bat in the uh in the when he's yelling at his team because they're losing and like he's losing fun oh yeah yeah um, with the yeah that's what losing sounds like Losing fun? Is losing fun? No. What are you having fun for? what losing sounds like. Just stuff like that. There's just like yeah. tons of like totally quiet moments where you can just hear the echo of the... Of yeah. the... Although that entire scene wasn't quiet because you had the P-Funk bit. Right, yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> Which I di- I didn't see on the on the on the original soundtrack album, but uh, I mean I guess it's not original. No. Yeah. Exactly. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. But yeah, it's always really important. But in this movie, it's really really important. Yeah, I mean, like, I would suggest to anybody just if if you're check out just the music on its own because it it uh it's really interesting when you listen to just it yeah it because is. a it lot de- of times you don't even notice it in this movie but yeah because it comes on so slow and it con- uh, it, like it yeah it comes in so slowly a lot of them are really slow builds yeah it definitely it listens to differently when you listen to it by itself but yeah but once again that's such a weird thing because it's like there's all this contrast between like no music and then music but yeah. you don't even notice the transition. Exactly. That's just why it's so good. Yeah. So good. It, it's I think ex- a, like it's kind of expertly done in it. It really, it really tugs at your heartstrings sometimes. Like at the points where it comes on. Yeah, exactly. When it swells, like perfectly. they know exactly like, when to. Like they just like, like they fucking have this down to a science. 
It is a science. It is a science. Like, it's, it's like they fucking figured out the saber metrics of, like, fucking movie making. Yeah, like, I, I think I, like, texted you when I was, like, watching it. Like, yeah, I think yeah, they were fucking, like, welling up Well, like, Jonah Hill is fucking explaining basic statistics. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. But, like, because somehow, because it's, like, it's all coming together and it's, like, this important part of the movie and the music's swelling. Boom, I just, like, boom, found myself welling up. I was, like, fucking boom, tears. I was, like, what the fuck? Boom. <laughs> come on yeah i know how can you not be romantic about baseball <laughs> yeah and that story he tells to like you know the the metaphor oh Jonah yeah, Hill yeah yeah at the it's, end it's come on Billy. come on yeah it's so good like, <laughs> you know what he what he didn't see is that the ball went 60 feet over the place <laughs> And he didn't even notice. <laughs> uh, how can you not be romantic about baseball? <laughs> it, it's a metaphor, um, Billy. Yeah. Jeremy's about to realize that the ball went 60 feet over the fence. He hit a home run and didn't even realize it. How can you not be romantic about baseball? It's a metaphor. I know it's a metaphor. So, to take a uh, brief dark turn, oh yeah, Where like I said, this production's a fucking nightmare. Right, yeah, the nightmare so, wasn't over. It's not over yet. Yeah. It's it's falling into place, but um, uh. Miller hired the um, the same composer because he seems to like to work with his crew. Mm-hmm. He hired the same composers, Capote, so he also hired the same cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um, but briefly after he signed on, this guy, um, it turned out he was arrested for sexually assaulting a child in Connecticut. Oh, jeez. It's fucked up. Um, yeah. He was also apparently a registered sex offender in New York State. Oh, so, wow. So this guy's absolutely fucked. Fuck him. He obviously got fired. Yeah. Um, um, he was replaced with a guy um, named Wally Fister. Is it um, Fister or Feister? Feister, maybe. I, I, I immediately, my mind went to Fister. Um, I, I think yeah. it'd be Feister. I don't know. Well, whatever. Just I don't know. I'm look not it up. a. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fucking. I don't even. <laughs> Linguist. I'm not. A, yeah, that. Yeah. Well, anyway, he had he had uh, just wrapped Inception. Mm-hmm. This guy. So you know. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's done some movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then you have a uh, production designer. Uh, Jess Goncher. I don't know how Goncher. How do you pronounce I'm, that I'm last not name? Sure. We're, we're brutalizing the names. We, we've brutalized a lot of names over the course of this yeah. show. But that's a, come on, look at that name though. Goncher. Goncher. With Goncher. No, with nothing on it, it just reads as Goncher. Goncher. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe we should um, like do more research like ahead of time. P- and like, see if we can find somebody pronouncing the names. Like, <laughs> like if we video, find that audio odd. of somebody. Yeah. yeah, that's probably wise. Yeah. Um, this person worked on No Country for Old Men. Right. Um, 
And then I can't believe we haven't mentioned this guy yet. Uh, the guy who played Art Howe. Well, well, before we get to that, uh, I, I just want to talk about the production design. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, sorry, uh, I, I did kind of glaze over that. Yeah, I, I just think it's 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 super interesting when you do a movie like this because the movie's mm-hmm. set in two thousand and two. Yeah, but it was made in like twenty ten, right? Basically, yeah. it was filmed in twenty ten. Yeah, they were filmed in yeah summer of twenty ten. So it's like you know, not that much time has passed. But that's almost a harder. Um, exactly so i'm saying like it's interesting that like they they managed to get all the little details to make it like feel like even though not that much time has passed they weren't lazy about it and yeah. like for example you know you saw all the computers and everything were like you know a little bit older and then they had like flip phones and shit like that yeah well earlier on in the production um they had the uh, before bennett miller came on mm-hmm. fair but they they had like reached out to uh, the athletics to find out who their sponsors were in 2002. Oh, that's cool. So they yeah. could, so they could have the right uh, ad- adverts. Right. Yeah. Um, and then also according to uh um, do, do to... you think they got uh they got all the snacks in the clubhouse correct? All the which? <laughs> the snacks in the clubhouse. <laughs> Maybe I'm sure they did honestly though. Because like uh, um, they were eating like Fruit Loops and like cup of noodles. Yeah. <laughs> which um, is like. I don't understand like why you would have that for like athletes to eat. Seems, like I feel like yeah. none of that is like particularly healthy. There's no food in any of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean they also had like cliff bars which are like, you know, that's probably fine, but like um I guess I mean, I... you know, it <laughs> I feel like baseball players, you know, it's less of a uh being in shape is not as important, I guess. <laughs> Ooh, we're gonna go there, but no, I don't know. I mean, but a little bit. Come on, look at Vladdy Guerrero and tell me that man is like, you know, <laughs> tell me that man works out. There are more baseball punches than any other sport. I think right. that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I'm sorry, Vladdy. I'm sorry to call you out, on that, but. <laughs> You know I love you. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. So, but the the MLB, um, apparently played a fairly, um, important role in in, kind of like supplying, things and, um, pointers to, to uh the production designer Jess right. Goncher. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it, it looked it definitely read as. Yeah, it's 2000s. just it's like the, a lot of the differences were like subtle, but I, I'm, but now, looking at it with the benefit of like you know even almost ten more years on this movie, like I think it's much more obvious. Yeah, yeah. Back then it might have been a little bit more. But subtle, back but... then it would have been more subtle, right? Yeah, exactly. So we have a few more casting. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, a few more casting decisions yet to be made. Um, Art Howe. Yeah. Played by uh, absolute legend Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. Who yeah, started I mean, in Capote? He's, he's fucking obviously fantastic in this movie. Um, oh, he kills really, it. Really, really fucking grumpy and like. <laughs> yeah, oh, he, he. I've for. I I never doubted that he was a baseball manager. 
Yeah, yeah. He just had that air. I don't yeah. know. He, and, he... like, I don't know. Like, the character comes off, like, seeming like kind of a dick. Yeah, but, but like, like, you also, it's kind of, his position is understandable. Yeah, I, I, I get like where a, he's coming from. But, like, like also... The, especially from, like, the sports media um, angle. Yeah. It's like his his... His ang- his position makes sense, but he is definitely kind of he is the conflict in the movie. Yeah, a he's a big ways. big part of part of the conflict. I well, mean, he, he's it, like it, the manifestation of the conflict. Yeah. Conflict. It, it kind of reminds me, um, you know, of like uh, I mean, obviously you remember when Mike Babcock coached the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is very course, not yes. too long ago. Pretty recently, yeah. Yeah, very recently, actually. Um, and like, <laughs> I mean, at least the narrative in the media was that uh, there was uh, a bit of a conflict between him and uh, and the uh, analytically focused GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Kyle Dubas. Yeah, yeah. Um, if the Leafs win a cup, I'm sure we'll see a movie about about this. Oh God, it'll be terrible though. Oh uh, yeah, but <laughs> but we'll go see it. I'll um... go see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he philip seymour hoffman apparently called uh the director bennett miller and asked if art howe had been cast mm. so he actually well, saw he was, that role but out. It, he we cast art howe as our howe and <laughs> decided not to do that there was too art, too, too, the film was too arty <laughs> that's it yeah exactly <laughs> it was the reason they they yeah, yeah. Sonber, soderbergh version wasn't gonna work and then this was like a pretty big like also, as we mentioned, this was a, a pretty breakout role for Jonah Hill in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we'll talk about even more. Um, but another actor that kind of this was a breakout role for was Chris Pratt. Yes. Who's, you know, obviously the big star that he is now. But this was like the first I think this was the first big film that he did. I, I would say so. I mean, I don't I don't know of uh, any film he did prior to this. I mean, he probably yeah. did them, obviously, because. But this was his the biggest major role he did. Yeah, know? definitely. Uh, definitely put him on the map. Chris Pratt, not to be confused with the Canadian indoor lacrosse player. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we get confused about that all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> or the Canadian, he, print, uh, the Canadian painter and printmaker. There's two Canadian Chris Pratts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not that funny. It's hard to it's hard to keep them all straight, to be honest, in my head. Um, in in I mean, I guess he was on Parks and Rec uh, before this. Yeah, I mean, but that yeah. was his that was his the the thing he was known for before yeah. that movie. He was told he was too fat, which is classic Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. So he lost thirty pounds and was hired because he lost 30 pounds, which is, again, classic Hollywood. Wow. Uh, like, I was actually thinking about this the other day because I was thinking, like, there is some system in Hollywood where you can take any person and just, like, completely change their body type. It's called steroids. I don't think I don't think he, Chris Pratt was on steroids. Not know, for Moneyball, no. But, I like, think there were, there like were Chris Pratt steroid... is in, like, really damn good shape now. There were definitely steroid rumors when he buffed up for um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I but I mean, heard like a few roid rumors, right? But I mean, but like the professional rumors, the professional trainers in like Hollywood, like I don't know how they fucking do it. 
I don't know. Like, you could just take anyone and just, like, fucking beat them into shape. Like, I'm sure they could have turned Jonah Hill into, like, a fucking, uh, like, muscle man if they needed to. Jonah Hill turned himself into a muscle man at some point. (laughs) Okay, not a muscle man, but... (laughs) But yeah, I, I, I actually, uh, I got, I got into kind of like a, a little bit of a rabbit hole, uh, while I was looking up this, this stuff yesterday, I was looking at like, you know, like what, what people eat, like, like I was looking up Chris Hemsworth's diet. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny. And like, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> oh, basically he just like eats, like he just eats like protein shakes and like really kind of lean, like meats and stuff like that yeah well doesn't like the rock eat like... well i was looking at i looked up the rock actually as well isn't it like uns <laughs> like skinless chicken breast and rice oh my god three dude, times the a day rocks diet is like if if I, I actually looked this up so if you had to eat i don't think i could eat the rocks diet for a day what is the rocks diet i would fucking vomit <laughs> okay what is it um <laughs> He eats seven meals a day, first of all. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, and they're pretty much, like, okay, so before breakfast, he has eaten six pounds of codfish. Six pounds? Yeah, something like that. Like. Holy fuck. <laughs> and then he that's eats, not, like, That's not even breakfast. Yeah. Holy fuck. And then he eats, like, some oatmeal or something like that, and then he, like, works out, and then he, like... And then immediately after working out, he eats another giant meal. Holy shit. Like, I would vomit so fast on the Rock's diet. I would vomit after less than one pound of fish. (laughs) But yeah. Like, you know, I could probably do Chris Hemsworth, but I I would die if I had to do The Rock. (laughs) See, but did you come across Chris Bratz? I didn't actually. I didn't actually find what he ate, but I, I, it's probably not as intense. Probably similar. Probably similar to um, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. And then I uh, also, for comparison, I I, um, I looked at Henry Cavill as well, who is Again, somewhere in similar. between The Rock and Hemsworth. Yeah, he's definitely the 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 missing link there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So speaking of all these stars, um, well, it's not really. It's a horrible segue. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible segue. You're right. <laughs> I was trying. Come on, you gotta give credit for trying. Um, to bring it back, uh, the Bennett Miller was looking. He wanted to, cause like you mentioned this a couple times at this point. There's like nobody who really knows all that much about baseball. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. At any stage. Um, so his, his kind of plan was to inject some authenticity. He hired like a bunch of like actual MLB employees from like, uh, players to, to janitors. Apparently, I think I read in one article, mm-hmm. um, to just work various roles in, on the movie Yeah, um, and in the crew even yeah, just to ha- have that voice around there. But there was also quite a few cameos. Yeah, so um, the two, like, sort of baseball sort of uh, roles that I actually saw uh, were um, Tom Gamboa, who plays one of the scouts around that table. You'd probably recognize him from that shot if you looked him up. 
what is his name? Tom Gamboa. Tom Gamboa. Yeah. So he was uh he was an actual uh major league baseball scout and coach. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you re- recognize him for the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he was a a scout for the Baltimore Orioles from 1973 to 1975. Right. And um he was um the Chicago Chicago Cubs first base coach from 1998 to 1999. Huh. And he was a uh, coach for the uh, Kansas City Royals from 2001 to 2003. From 2001 to 2003. So I and wonder he... how he felt about about um, the way oh, he, was he was one of the his... yeah. He was literally. Was he was literally... the kind of guy that that they were uh, making fun of in that scene. Yeah, I think jabbing at definitely. Yeah. I don't know. Clearly, he. Uh... He didn't mind, I guess, because they... Yeah, uh, I guess. I mean, he was in the movie and didn't have trouble <laughs> with that. Read the script. Yeah. Uh, and so another guy uh, was actor Stephen Bishop, who was actually an actual professional baseball player. And he oh, plays yeah, the guy... in the, he plays David Justice in the movie. Right. Yeah, well, he was when he was in that batting cage, he was doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I was thinking, like, a normal person could not hit a baseball that consistently. Yeah, and I think that's one of the only scenes where you actually see one of the actors playing baseball. Well, because straight none up. of the other ones could, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, but in, interestingly, um, they... Uh, when he was a minor league in the minor leagues, he was uh, a minor league prospect prospect for the Atlanta Braves. Oh, right. Really? Um, okay. Where David Justice was playing, I believe. <laughs> oh, that's, that's and funny. and I think people referred to him as like Little Justice. No way. Because he kind of looked like David Justice, and he had some kind of similarity in the way he played. That's bizarre. Yeah. Well, so but naturally, that's probably one of the reasons they cast him, right? Oh, yeah, well, like obviously, but but still, lucky that you have a guy like that become an actor. Yeah, he, exactly. Did he become an actor specifically before this movie? Yeah, I think he was an actor before this movie. Yeah, let me just double like I think he transitioned from baseball into acting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, actually, he was in the rundown with The Rock. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> what movie is that? I don't. I'm not familiar with that movie, but The Rock. Yeah, look Enough it said. up. It's, uh, <laughs> we don't need to get into that. Yeah, it's... Sean William Scott was also in it, which is interesting because oh, he was in another movie we talked about. Yeah, another sports movie we talked. Another about. Another sports movie we talked about. Yeah. Um, so and that's sort of the main like players and coaches in the movie. But there are some other cameos that I thought were a little just strange. Okay. So, uh, the first one that I want to talk about is, uh, so the owner, um, Steve Schott, uh, like the owner of the athletics, he's the owner of the A's in the movie. He, he, he's, yeah. uh, he's the one that Billy Bean is asking, uh, asking money for money from, right? Yeah. So the guy who plays that role is not an actor. Okay. In in fact, he's potentially not even acting. <laughs> Who is he? He's uh he is Bobby Kotick, 
who is the CEO of Activision Blizzard, weirdly enough. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he was just what? a friend of Bennett Miller. That's... Okay. And Bennett Miller was, was asking, like, you know, how does one of these, like, you know, executives act or whatever? Like, what's he like? Uh, and he right. asked Kotick for some advice because Kotick was, like, the CEO of some of Activision Blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, he was like, well, he doesn't act like anything like this guy in your script. And then I guess oh, okay. they were just like, well, I mean... I guess you could just do it. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of weird though. Like given like how much um, I mean, we won't we won't really get into it. But I mean, there's obviously a lot of controversy around Activision Blizzard currently right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's kind of odd seeing him post dates in... this movie. But yeah. yeah, definitely not anything to do with this movie. But yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, um... it is. <laughs> it is a little odd. Um, and then another cameo. This one, you know, kind of obviously makes sense. But it, it is odd that that he's actually in the movie and not using archive footage that they actually brought him in to do another shot, and that's Joe Satriani. Okay. Uh, you probably... you probably Did you notice when he was in the movie? No, I don't think so. Well, it, it's what? on opening day. They do the national anthem. Oh, and they, oh, yeah. yeah, they have yeah, him yeah, ripping yeah. a guitar solo of That's what the was. national anthem, and it's Joe Satriani. Of course, Satriani. of course, of course. So, yeah, there's that, and that one makes sense. I just thought that they would have used archive footage and not actually had to bring him in again to shoot another thing. Yeah, well, they did. Sh- they shot with like um, 700 extras yeah. in the Oakland Athletics Coliseum. So they were traded to like a mini Joe Satriani concert, basically. I guess. Yeah, I guess that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so the last little sort of cameo that I had that I thought was just kind of bizarre was um, so uh, Billy Bean's ex-wife, who we didn't mention. Um, no. No, we uh, haven't really is, mentioned much about that storyline. Um, yeah, although it's an important storyline. Yeah, totally. It's usually part of the movie. Yeah. Uh okay. But she is played by Robin Wright. Yeah. Absolute legend. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> why, do you, why, why would do you say that? Why is Robin Wright an absolute legend? Yeah, I'd like to know your... Well, I mean, you know, Princess Bride, Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those say that right there. Uh, and, and more. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I guess... Um, his 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 ex-wife's like new husband or I guess boyfriend or whatever is played by director Spike Jones. Yeah, that's which really is just weird. an odd uh, odd thing, and he like kind of he, the character is kind of an odd fixture in this movie as well. The character I was just gonna mention the character. He's like another one of those like super heavy-handed archetypes yeah that is kind of there to drive a point home that again it's like not quite absurd not quite um surreal but it it is definitely like exaggerated to drive the point home yeah although you know if you were going for absurd and surreal spike jones be your guy 
Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is why it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, a weird fact. <laughs> I mean, if you're not if you're not familiar with with Spike Jones, uh, what he did like um, being John Malkovich and like uh, yeah. adaptation That's... and like a bunch of really strange movies. Yeah, strange strange movies. We should we should we should maybe do adaptation at some point. That's the one with Nick Cage. Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird movie. Where Nick Cage plays to plays himself and his brother. Yeah, that's a weird movie. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so that that's that's pretty much it for the cameos that I noticed. But uh, yeah, there's some weird ones, specifically like the people who aren't actors. Yeah, like Hollywood Bobby Kotick people. was the weirdest one. I thought. Like, yeah, that is a bizarre one. I mean, I guess it makes sense that he's his friend, but yeah, and I guess it kind of like, makes sense that like you know. The role makes sense because of who he is. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, he's just some executive guy that's the... I don't know if Bobby Kotick owns any sports teams, though. No, I don't... I don't know. Who knows? Apparently, he's uh, he's 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 really into uh, sports at the University of Michigan, which he's donated a lot of money to. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What else we got? Well, at this point, we are pretty much done the production aspect, um, which is, as we mentioned, it took a long fucking time to get this show on the road. Um, yeah, definitely. Because we've been talking, like, combined for, like, what, three hours at this point? Um, uh, two, two hours and 45 minutes, about. Yeah. Combined, so, like... <laughs> uh, they still we haven't got to the filming yet. Yeah, no, they haven't even started filming. <laughs> they haven't even started filming. Um, I mean, the filming is there's not much to say about it. Oh, you know? we haven't got to the truth yet. Uh, there's that. Oh, I better um, strap myself in. But anyway, are you let's better? Continue. Yeah, it's um, yeah, that's gonna be an intense one. Um, in order to in order to secure a start date to to begin filming, um. One of the stipulations was was that they had to dramatically uh, lower the budget. Right. So. Do you know what kind of things they they did? I know that everybody took a pay cut. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> did Brad Pitt take a pay cut? Specifically, they mentioned Brad Pitt took a pretty big pay cut. Because <laughs> I feel like a big um, portion of the budget is literally Brad Pitt's fifty million dollars. Yeah, it's this is a sixty million dollar movie. Okay, well, it was a fifty-eight. Sorry, it's fifty-eight million dollar movie. Yeah, um, a big chunk of that is Brad Pitt's money. Exactly, they got it down to forty-seven million. Right. Which is pretty impressive cuts. Yeah, 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 definitely. But I mean, that's Brad Pitt's salary you cut, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and they maybe he agreed that... to make it up in residuals. That's probably what happened. Like yeah. they probably were like, "Okay, we'll just give you two million, and and then you can." Uh, yeah, you know. you'll just get a chunk of the yeah. profits. Do Do so we know how much gotta... movie? How much money this movie made? No, we actually we haven't talked we haven't about discussed the. That. Let's uh, quickly the quickly look box that office. Up. Made a hundred and ten point two million. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so doubled their money. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, a little bit more than that. A little bit more than that. So not huge box office, but kind of yeah. like pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. So yeah, they got the budget down, and then they started filming, and uh, 
honestly, again, not much to say about the actual filming. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it at the Oakland Coliseum. Um, there was also a couple other stadiums they went to. Obviously, they went to... <laughs> Do you want to talk about this one? Yeah, let's talk... Uh, well, I mean, just... Where, where did they go? Fenway. <laughs> okay. Yeah, aren't you mean the biggest fucking garbage dump in Major League Baseball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what exactly what I meant. I meant the biggest trash heap fucking lopsided outfield fucking... Yeah, like, what is this garbage? Like... We'll we'll post a picture of we'll, Fenway Park. Yeah, we'll Park. post a picture on our Instagram or something of, like, the shape of Fenway Park. But, I mean, you know, if you haven't not, seen it, it's got it, the wonkiest fucking outfield. It, like, it, looks, it looks like it was designed by a drunk architect. Yeah, and there's a big fucking green wall on one side. It's really weird. Yeah. It's a very, I mean, when was it built? Like 19. It was built in like 1912 or, or some shit like that. Yeah. So, like, it's ancient and it's, it's fucking gross and falling apart and shit. Yeah. It, it looks really industrial. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, a, a beautiful fucking, fucking ballpark like, uh, uh-huh. like the fucking Rogers Center, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, that's how they make them. <laughs> yeah. They really don't. They, they, that's, that's, Peak ballpark right there. Peak ballpark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perfectly <laughs> proportioned. <laughs> you know, that's that's a normal looking outfield. They did their right angles yeah. normally. <laughs> you know, if it rains, they just close the dome. Just close the dome, man. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so fuck the Boston Red Sox. Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Bostonians, you okay. can send your hate mail to Jake Delmaster. Sorry, you can send your hate mail to podcast at jakedelmaster.com. Just podcast, so you know. That, again, podcast at jakedelmaster.com. All your hate mail, just send it right there. Yeah, that's only for, for Bostonians. Uh, all yeah, other yeah. hate mail can be directed to crane kick commentaries at gmail.com. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, that that was during the whole bit where they had the the uh Boston, Boston trying to hire uh what's his name? <laughs> Fucking Billy Bean. Billy Bean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is true. That that's part that, all that true. That did try to, that did happen and Yeah, they offered him twelve point five million or something like that. I think that yeah, was the number. Which is fucking insane even today. Yeah, and as Jonah Hill said in the movie that he'd that be the highest the... GM in sports. Yeah. Um, which probably is no longer. But you know, he had integrity. Yeah. He didn't want to work for those fucking Bostonians. (laughs) So he brought it. He he went back to the city of Oakland because he knew he 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 knew he wanted to win there. Yeah, he had history there. Exactly. He wanted to win there. Um, Exactly. Still hasn't won there. He got close, I think, in two thousand six. They went to the World Series or something like that. I mean, close. that's that's one thing that, like, you know, kind of makes me a little annoyed is that, like... The anticlimactic... You know, the whole movie was about, like, you know, he's trying to win an unfair game by applying this system, right? Yeah. But the then all the rich win. teams just figured out the system, too, and applied it. Yeah, exactly. The, the, there is a little hint of... Um, like, I think this movie, they made the arc... And well, the, well, no, the... but they kind of address it a little bit. Yeah, they address it because because it... they were saying like you know, um, Billy Bean is saying like he wanted to change the game, right? 
Yeah. He didn't and then want... he's like, you know, I really wanted to win here. I uh, like I've I've failed basically because I didn't win here. But but you yeah. know what? You did. You did change the game. Change the game forever, yeah. Yeah. Change other games. Yeah. For Christ's sake. Yeah, well, um, I mean, yeah. Well, I was just going to say like his they made as opposed to winning the World Series because that didn't happen for them. Um they made the 20 game streak kind of the emotional like yeah, highlight. Exactly. Um bit so uh, it was i did that kind of like you know bothered me a bit it, or not bothered me that's the wrong phrase but it did feel like almost a bit hollow because it was like yeah because it's you know, like you know they couldn't they still haven't won they didn't they didn't win like that but as you say it is true that they kind of they do address although the fucking boston just like, did yeah fuck ending their shit. fucking you know 86 year or whatever world series drought not long enough yeah <laughs> exactly um yeah i think there was another i think the dodgers stadium was the other stadium they filmed at that's basically it we're just talking about the stadiums they filmed at right yeah yeah. and and you know like the uh i assume the uh the offices for the oakland days was like a set right um i think there was both i think they had a few days at the oakland office but they definitely built a set based off the office right just because like the sets like the offices in the movie look so shitty yeah i mean yeah. And i was just wondering like did they actually work out of an office that had no windows and was like fucking just yeah. really cramped looking yeah, I'm um, specifically that they mentioned the clubhouse that they they shaped exactly like it, but they did say that they they tried to make it the sets look like the actual. Okay, um, yeah. The, just the thing that struck me was ballpark. like the offices that they were working in, like had no windows. Yeah, I, I, and the comparison that they made between that and Fenway is just hilarious. Like with the coffee, the the. Oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. Co- compared to his like you know little shitty coffee making. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, at least they're fucking. Uh their fucking ballpark isn't like a fucking hundred year old white elephant in the middle of Boston. They've got integrity. Yeah. <laughs> we just keep asking for that hate mail, huh? Yeah, exactly. Send it <laughs> to him. A... I mean, I would say like, you know, the only real upside of Fenway Park is that it isn't the TD Garden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're really, you're on a mission here, it seems. <laughs> I don't disagree with it, but it does seem like you're on a mission. <laughs> I guess you just got the opportunity. You yeah, gotta jump at you it know. whenever you get the opportunity. I just gotta jump on it while it's while it's just there, you know. And like you did the same thing last episode, or not? What two weeks ago? I guess now. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> still, yeah. So there you go. You have it. The film has been made. The film is released. Um. And it does pretty well. Um, as we mentioned last episode, I don't know if we've mentioned it this week, but um, a lot of Oscar nominations. Uh, six of them. Six of them, yeah. Lost every single one. Lost every single one, yeah. It a was shame. A... a fucking shame. This was a tough year. Tough yeah. year, to be honest. Um. I, this was one of the first years I really like started trying to get my Oscar pool right. <laughs> right. Okay. Did you bet on? Did you bet on Moneyball or no? I 
don't think so. Right. Um, I can't really remember what my ballot was that year. Okay. But so, so you want to quickly run through the nominations here? Yeah, yeah. It got nominated for best picture. Okay. Um. It got. So so who who did win best picture? Um, that year it was the artist. Okay. If you remember that movie, yeah. it was like a black and white movie. Um, silent film about a silent film, something like mm. that. Um, the best actor was the lead from that film. Uh, so, so a bit of a sweep here. Bit of a sweep. Bit of a sweep. So, but yeah, uh, it was also so Moneyball was also nominated for best picture as well. Best actor, sorry. Yeah, best actor. Brad Pitt was nominated for best actor. They didn't um, nominate Jonah Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Jonah Hill got. He might have been nominated actually. No, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, right? Oh, yeah, but you he meant for Lead Actor. Yeah. Well, he's not really the Lead Actor. No, he's not It's at very all clearly Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they gave him... They gave, they nominated Jonah Hill. He was He's an Oscar-nominated nom- actor. Yeah. I think he got nominated for... Did he get nominated for Wolf of Wall Street as well? I think he may I have. I don't know. Um, although, um, that would make sense. Yeah, I'll cut that out if it's not true. Um, okay. Uh, but he did not win. I think one of the only reasons he did not win was because that year, Christopher Plummer. Um, okay, so yeah, he did get nominated for Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he got nominated. So Jonah Hill, two-time Oscar nominee, um, got beat by Christopher Plummer, who was already like in his 80s at that point. Yeah. Um, Fucking Canadian legend, by the way. Canadian legend Christopher Plummer. That was his first Oscar. Star Trek alumni. Star Trek alumni. He'd been in so many movies. He'd been in so many Oscar-winning movies, I think. Yeah. Um, He was in The Sound of Music, for Christ's sake. Um, Jeez. Yeah, he's fucking ancient. (laughs) Like, and his first Oscar was won in, like, 2011. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. Um, So that's why he won that year, I think. I think they they were like, we got to give it to him. Um. Uh, then you have uh, it was nominated for best adapted screenplay, right? Um, which was won by a uh, that uh, Clooney film, right? Descendants, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so okay. We also got yeah. We also got a nomination for best sound mixing, which makes sense. Yeah, you know that that's another one I think it definitely should have been in the running for. Yeah, like, really, when we, and then the, the last one was best film editing. This is the thing that, this is the one I think it definitely should have won. I agree, I agree. Like, how can you, like, not watch this movie and think, like, damn, that's some good editing. The editing is really fucking good. Um, And the winner of that Oscar was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. Uh, screenplay of which was written by the, uh, Zalian, the same guy who wrote this one, oh, yeah. um, co-wrote, like... co-wrote with uh, Aaron Sorkin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it. I, this 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 movie really deserves it. Yeah, I think it should have won either sound mixing or film editing. Yeah, definitely. Those were its categories. It definitely wasn't going to win any of those other ones. Best picture, I think it actually might have been a contender. Yeah. Um, not best supporting actor. 
but Christopher Plummer, though, right? Yeah, exactly. He yeah, was kind of a you, lock. How can you beat that? He was a lock. I think it might. I think Moneyball may have been up for like there may have been a, a, a contender for screenplay. I'm kind of speculating based on my memory, and this was a long time ago, so yeah, I might be wrong, but yeah. I mean, really, it's. I it feel like it's hard to judge. Anything. Like, is there any actual contention? Because like the things written on the piece of paper before they, like before they bring it out, like it's all predetermined. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you have like the whole month leading up to it. Yeah, but I feel like about? it's already been decided. I don't know. They just have. Well, yeah. Told the you. point. The point is, you don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the point is, you're trying to guess who the who the academy yeah, thinks is going to. That, that's true. Do. Yeah. Yeah, um, it should have won editing. I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, um, all right. So, so I think now we have the segment that I've been fearing from the beginning. As you should well have been. So, I don't know if you if you know what segment that is, but you can't handle it. I mean, I don't know if you recognize this music. Maybe you know what it is. Welcome to The Truth. This is the segment where Keaton makes up shit and I follow along. (laughs) <laughs> this is fucking fact i'm gonna tell you nothing but fucking facts today i promise you that's true that is true that is I'm that not, is allegedly true it's a hundred percent true everything i am going to tell you today is a fact okay i promise you um, i don't promise you that <laughs> i don't um, promise you that keaton's gonna tell you nothing but facts this will be for no seriously this today okay <laughs> I know there's there's I have a tendency to talk about aliens, stra- aliens, yeah, aliens. We'll cut right to it. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, they might come up again. <laughs> oh my god! Today they might, <laughs> but not to the same capacity that they normally do. Not okay. in the same way. Okay. Um, I'm still fearful. This is it's intense. It's really intense. But okay. uh, I I. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, okay, on... so so Keaton promises you that he's going to tell the truth. Yeah, I do. So That's a promise. I'm going to trust him for now. Here it comes. And, and okay. I, if you think something I'm telling you at any point is not the truth, call me out on it and all. I definitely we'll... will. You know okay. I will. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about uh, legendary baseball player Jose Canseco. Okay, what did he play? What did he play? What position? Yeah, I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh, he pitched. No, he's a pitcher, right? He's a pitcher. Okay, uh, I think he's I, a pitcher. I'm not. Ba- I don't. I'm not. I don't follow. Well, I mean, baseball. you did so much research on him. No, but not about his baseball career. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> oh, I see. He was an outfielder and designated hitter with the Oakland A's. So yeah, okay. So we'll just go over his history a little bit, and then I'll tell you. I'll tell you what piercing shark eyes. He does. He's an intense person, and we'll get into why. Okay. Um. So Jose Canseco. Just this is 
some background, and this is why it's connected to the movie and how it's connected to the movie. Okay. Um, Jose Canseco was drafted to the Oakland Athletics uh, straight out of high school in 1982. Just like Billy Bean. No, Billy Bean was Well, he wasn't drafted drafted by the Mets. But he was drafted straight out of high school. Yeah, at a similar time. Right. Um, He was drafted in uh, 1982 Mm -hmm. in the 15th round of the draft. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty much farther back than Billy Bean. They have 15 rounds? (laughs) Yeah, that's what... That's pretty crazy, huh? Yeah. Um, I don't know how far back he is, mm-hmm. considering how much of a legend he turned uh, I'm to surprised be. he like made it onto a major league field. Well, if he's drafted he played... 15, in, 15, in the fifteenth round. Yeah. Well, he played. Like, he wasn't various... drafted with the fifteenth pick. He was drafted in the fifteenth round. That's what it said. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was a bit confused by that, so I made sure to check that okay. it said yeah. round as opposed to pick. Um, he played various teams across the minors for the next um, couple years. But yeah. in the minors, unlike Billy Bean, um, he showed excellent proficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, earning, uh, He earned the nickname The Natural. Oh. Um, in fact, he was so good in the minors that he was described as, quote-unquote, the most promising prospect since Willie Mays. Oh, wow. Um, and the next Mickey Mantle. That's... Uh... I mean, I don't know about baseball, much about baseball, but I've heard of those people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in, in in the late season of 1985, he was called up to the majors, and he mm-hmm. played his first few games. Um, but his first full season um, with the Athletics uh, was in 1986. Um, okay. which was also the year that Billy Bean was traded and the Mets won the World Series. Um, right. But that year, uh, Jose Canseco was named Rookie of the Year, scoring uh, 33 home runs and 117 RBIs, and RBI is runs batted in. That's basically like... Uh... So, is that like if you're on the plate, like how if many you, run? When you yeah, exactly. How many runs are scored based on your hit? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if I there's see. one guy on third and you, and you hit a home run, right? Uh, that that's two RBI, right? Because you you got into. Uh, okay. Um, that I'm not gonna not gonna go into that. How? Why that? I just see a couple of issues mathematically with this, but with that statistic, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't seem that useful. Well, this is all pre. Uh, this is, okay, this is pre sabermetrics. This uh, is nineteen eighty six. So I see, I see, I see. These are irrelevant statistics. Come on, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was nineteen eighty six. Uh, in nineteen eighty eight, he was unanimously named the American League's most valuable player. Oh wow. Um, so again, he and, and you know, he, I mean, the American League is the only league that matters. Yeah, because <laughs> you know the Jays are in it. Exactly. <laughs> um, that year, he also he had a three oh seven batting average. Mm. Um, it's pretty high, I think. In the majors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a hundred and twenty runs scored. Wow. Uh, a hundred and twenty four RBI. Wow. And 42 home runs, 40 stolen bases. So, he, he, 
even if you don't know much about baseball, it's a lot of all those things. They're big numbers. Yeah. So then, as we know, Billy Bean joined the A's as a free agent in 1989. Mm -hmm. Um, And during that season, Jose Canseco missed 97 regular season games um, because of a broken wrist. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, But in less than 65 games played, he hit 17 home runs uh, and 57 uh, runs batted in. So pretty simple. Well, this guy's a fucking machine. He is a machine. And then they won the World Series that year. Wow. Um, Just imagine had he been healthy the whole time. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so Canseco later on in life became infamous, specifically in like 2005. He released a tell-all book about his use of steroids. And like it was kind of like a whistleblowy book about like steroids in baseball. Oh, yeah? And since then, he's been pretty outspoken about like, um, like the MLB and steroids and how they—he's been critical of shit. Um, right. Yeah. And he's—I mean, been... kind of fair. Like, I mean, I—I don't, I don't know if you—if you saw like what fucking Barry Bonds looked like, like near well, the end yeah, of his career. Well, yeah. Steroids and baseball is a whole conversation that we should probably have, but it would take. Yeah, I, I don't think we're the most qualified people to be having exactly. that conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We would we would do no good having yeah. that conversation, but it's a thing. Yeah. And it's a problem. Well, I don't know and if it's a huge problem anymore, is it? According to Jose Canseco, it is, but oh, who, yeah. who let's not trust anything he says, and we'll learn why. Okay. Um, but yeah, he also, he has some uh, um, que- uh, some questionable shit. He, he's, he was arrested a couple times in the 80s and 90s. Okay. Um, While he was on the A's? Yeah, one year he was on the A's, I think. Yeah. Um, and What for? One was he had like a okay he got into like a high speed chase, <laughs> okay, um, yeah, and then he had like a gun in his car, okay, I assume it was unregistered because he got arrested for it. Okay. Um, he was also arrested. I think this is so fuck him. Uh, one of the reasons why we can kind of say fuck him here is he punched his wife once apparently. Okay. Um, he. He got him and his brother or his cousin or something got into like a, a fight with a bunch of turret tourists and beat up a bunch of tourists in, in Las Vegas or something. Shit like that. Just like Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and here it says he was accused of rape in twenty thirteen but was cleared of all the charges. Okay. But uh, you know. Yeah, you you don't know really. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty questionable. Um so he's that's self explanatory all that behavior. Um, more recently though, Jose Canseco is the owner of, um, Jose Canseco's Showtime Car Wash. Okay. Um, It's, it's a legitimate car wash. Yeah. Um, it's on West Tropicana in Las Vegas. Okay. It's open 24 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) So I can get my fucking car washed at 3 a.m. Yeah, you could at, at Jose Canseco's Showtime Car Wash. Okay. Um, and every couple of weeks, Canseco uh, holds meet like meet and greets at, at his car wash. Yeah, he signs autographs. Signs autographs and takes pictures and stuff. Does it pretty often, every couple of weeks. Right. Okay. Now, at this point in 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 my research, if you can call it research, um, I, I don't know. That's for the viewers to decide. For the listeners. Yeah. I I fell into the rabbit hole 
I fell deep into the rabbit hole um, that is Jose Canseco's social media. Oh, God. Um, and several hours later, I emerged dazed and overwhelmed. <laughs> okay. Okay. What are we talking about here? It entirely derailed my plans for this segment. Um, initially, initially, I just heard that Canseco had said some stuff about aliens. Um, <laughs> okay. And I thought I would just cover that <laughs> and maybe some other players who have seen aliens. You know, classic. Just see if I, what I could find about that. Um, well, there was that scene in Men in Black where exactly. like an That's... alien saucer drops in on the Mets game. I was thinking about that <laughs> when I was looking it up. Yeah. I considered talking about it. Um, but all that got derailed when I when I got to um, Jose Canseco's Twitter account. Okay. Um, so instead of any of that... <laughs> oh, what's, his, gonna... what is, what's his Twitter handle? Uh, I think it was, I think it's just Jose Canseco or Jose Canseco 13 or something. Okay. Um, so instead of any of that, we're going to spend all of our time in this segment today going through Jose Canseco's Twitter account. <laughs> uh, we're just going to read. We're going to read okay. tweets. We're going to read tweets. Um, okay. What do we got? But that, that, like, he also has an Instagram. He's got two podcasts and he's got other social media accounts. But if we go into all that, uh, not only will I lose my mind, but um, we'll never, we'll never get to anything else. Ever. Okay. Um. So, let me first start by leveling with you that I read all of his tweets dating back to July thirty first, twenty eighteen. Um. Holy fuck! How much time do you have? It took me a couple hours, but well, not a good. Does that he long. tweet pretty often? Not that often. Uh, like it, it's not Trump level tweets. Okay. Like, like how many take tweets me a day? Long. You think? Not. Not. Or he doesn't day. tweet every day. He doesn't tweet every day. Okay, I see. He tweets in like bursts. I see. Um, so, so we're gonna read through um, a pretty large selection of tweets I've curated into four categories. Okay. Um. Category one is called political commentary and aspirations. Aspirations? Yes. <laughs> okay. What do we got? Category two is called science and technology. <laughs> um, category three is Alias? called aliens, Bigfoot, and the supernatural. Oh, God. Um, and finally, four is uh is just self-promotion miscellaneous stuff <laughs> and i'll warn okay, you now there's so a... you're gonna give us the highlights right yeah the uh, highlights okay. yeah totally there's a lot but this still this is the highlights okay um i'll warn you now there's a lot of overlap between the categories <laughs> it's hard so to keep it, is, is he is his political aspirations that he's like running for president on a platform about like you know uh declassifying all the alien you know you'll you'll see man it's like so as i read each category um they're chronological within each category okay sure so you can kind of see like a narrative so they're not necessarily you like you didn't necessarily exactly so here we go we're gonna start with politics okay the po- what was it called what did i call it political commentary and aspirations okay sure Okay, he starts out strong here. It's great. 
and his perspective is hard to nail down. So don't don't pre uh, prejudge him at all until I you've won't. heard all of them. Okay. I've learned not to do that in this show. <laughs> Good. First tweet. Hey, little buddy, at real Donald Trump. I'm okay. interested in a United Nations leadership. DM me now for ideas and confidential 90-day plan. Hashtag ready now. Okay. <laughs> Good start. Second. Enlightened statesmen will not always be at the helm. So that's an interesting one. Um, another one. Hey, little buddy, at real Donald Trump. You need a <laughs> consistently call Trump little buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> okay. Hey, little bunny at real Donald Trump. You need a bash brother for chief of staff. Got a secret record plan already. Also worried about you looking more like a Twinkie every day. I will buff <laughs> you up. Daily workouts. DM me. Hashtag yes we can Seiko. <laughs> Next tweet. Me for president, period. That's it? Yeah. Okay. So he's so that's his political aspirations. Next, if we colonize the moon, I should be president. Of the moon or of the United States? I think he means the moon here. It's it's okay. a bit ambiguous, but I think he means he should be president of the moon. So okay. I Is like it, what's what's his ratio like? What ratio? Like um uh fucking likes to comments. Um, you, you know remember. how the ratio works, right? Not really, but basically, if you have more comments than you do likes, your tweet is really controversial. Right. Okay. Um, some of them are definitely quite controversial. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but he's got an interesting development so far. He's, you know, he's got some political aspirations, but now he's gone straight to he wants to be president. Okay. And now he wants to be president. So wait, are we going forwards in time or backwards in time? We're going forwards. Okay. Um, so where did we start? What year? 2018. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, or early 2019. Um, are we still in debt if we print our own money? That's amazing. <laughs> yes. This one, I believe, is directed at Donald Trump, although he doesn't call him little buddy or, t or tag him. Okay. Um. You don't need a wall. You need android robots. <laughs> this is this crosses over with the science and technology. Yes, and here's another crossover right away. Right. If if I were president, I would give citizenship to aliens and Bigfoot. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> also in the Bigfoot. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. He goes okay. on, he goes on. He, he he keeps speculating about who should be the president here. Um, okay. Well, presumably him. Well, no, cuz he, he he's oh. he he's moved on from that. Okay, so um, he's well, he's the president of the moon. Yeah, exactly. He's the president, he of, the moon. president of the moon. <laughs> yeah, he wants to be president of the moon. Um and then his next tweet after that is I should run for president. At least I will tell the truth, bound by the truth. Well, this segment is called The Truth. Exactly. And let me tell you, have I said anything untrue yet? I don't know. Jose Canseco could be hiding something. Like, he could be lying about the Bigfoot promise. I mean, sh sure, but uh, that would be Ho Jose Canseco not telling the truth, not me. No, no, but Jose Canseco promised he was going to tell the truth right now. Right. 
Yeah, so I'm saying I, I don't know. Has he been telling the truth to us so far? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do we have any reason to doubt him? Uh, I mean, I guess there's been nothing that's. I mean, it hasn't. He hasn't gotten full crazy yet. Yeah. Oh. oh okay. We're still like. Yeah, but the political one's fairly. Fairly um, tame. Fairly tame. I think it gets full psycho in science technology. <laughs> um, so, after the truth tweet, he tw- he tweets, "The world is corrupt." Also, I'm adding the punctuation here um, when I'm speaking. There's not he, any... Did he not uh, do any punctuation? There's no punctuation. Occasionally, he puts an ellipsis where he like in 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 place of like a comma or a period. Okay. Um, but there's no commas ever. Like this one is the world is corrupt. Our country is corrupt. Politicians are corrupt. Our system is corrupt, and obviously, so is baseball. <laughs> I mean, um, maybe Billy Bean would agree with that. Maybe, yeah. yeah I mean, he's you know. not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he I follows mean, that one. You could make the, yeah, you could say baseball could be corrupt, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's come full circle about the whole president thing because his next tweet is Conseco for president. Okay. And now he's going to give us his platform. Okay. So his next series of tweets are so his So what platform. year is this now we're, we're in? Is Still this, in 2019, st- I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or actually, at this point, we might be closer to 2020. Right. Um, Can I go 2020? Yeah. His so his platform: downsize the government and reduce taxes and free health care. Canseco for president. Okay, let's yeah. just move right on. As president, I would create immortal moral robots that would go around eliminating corrupt corporations and people. Okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> so we're in 2020 now, I think. This is around okay. March 2020. So this is kind of oh, okay. like beginning of pandemic time. Yeah, pretty much. Like, that's when I started working from home. Yeah. He says, we should have no more politics. Completely abolish politics. Do not vote at all. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, we at Craig Commentaries think you should vote. But we're going to yes. go ahead and move on. Yeah. Next tweet. Terminate politics. Vote for no <laughs> politics. <laughs> vote for no politics. Vote for no politics. Terminate okay. politics. Vote for no politics. And finally, to cap off the political section. A, uh, sorry, I shortened just precursor. Um Every time he says he wrote down artificial intelligence, I've shortened it to AI, just so you okay. know. Right, yeah. AI should be our next president. It will have no gender, no color, no religion, and belong to no race. Then the world will start correcting itself. It's an interesting idea. I wonder um, how he feels about um, computers calling baseball games. I think he probably... Well, he'll get into... like. He ruminates on AI quite a bit for right. a while. Um, okay. <laughs> in fact, I cut out a lot of his AI tweets because I just couldn't fit them all in. Right. Okay. Um. So let's go to the science, tech, health section. Science, tech, and health. Okay. We're going to yeah. talk about AI presumably a lot. It comes up. Okay. But Good first, little... it starts. It starts with some health stuff. Um. Okay. Potatoes are pure venom for the human overtime. <laughs> I think he means human over time. 
Yeah. Like overtime potatoes, but he wrote potatoes are pure venom venom for the human overtime. I mean, um, interesting enough, potatoes do often contain small amounts of a poisonous substance yes. known as solamine, is it? Solamine, I think, yeah. Solamine, yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes them taste all bitter and stuff. Don't eat your potatoes if they're all bitter. Yeah, is it also if they're green. Yeah. If you, if your potatoes green, throw it away. Yep. Yep. Um uh, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um neither is Jose Canseco. Yeah. Um he's also got some advice for you. Um never milk a one teated goat. Why? He doesn't specify. He only follows that up quickly with nature is so weird. <laughs> and then and then in rapid succession he tweets these three things. Invest in space travel. And then a few minutes later, as soon as it's possible or as soon as it's available, invest in space travel. Um and then a bit later, time travel puts 42,651 pounds of pressure on a human skeletal structure. Can you detach? Okay, whoa, whoa, slow down. Where is he getting these figures? You'll find out. He he does okay. disclose his sources. Is um, he is he is he in contact with warp drive metrics? Could be warp drive metrics. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Phil Kessel. Um, yeah, is he been uh, talking to Doctor Philip Kessel? <laughs> of the uh, what was it? Of the um, fuck ballistic division or something yeah this is uh what was it was the air force uh unit that it was anyway uh, <laughs> anyway that we're, um, we're referring to our episode on the fly yeah uh, if, if you haven't listened to that one we talked yeah. a little bit about uh air force uh teleportation research <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so he, he in that same tweet he goes on to uh, to to ponder can you detach the brain from the body and equalize the pressure it can be done um maybe this one i put in here it it kind of hints towards our future um our silent our science is totally irrelevant to aliens i don't even know where to start on that one yes we'll just move right on cloning is illegal that's why we cannot evolve into our next stage okay we'll move right along Once cloning is legal, we will be able to purchase either bodies of ourselves in our primes, and once our shells get too old, detach the brain and then apply to a new shell or body. <laughs> okay, how many followers does Jose Canseco have? Like 20,000. Yeah, like he's got a few. Like how many people you think just unfollow him after they realize he's like a fucking nut job? Well, that's the thing is this is curated, right? So he he does like not normal things. I'd say he tweets about, but he tweets about vaguely normal things fairly often. So it's right, like every okay. just now and again he sneaks one of these in. So <laughs> I've said about like the fucking shells of like cloning new shells or whatever. Yeah, and he's but he also spends a lot of time like ripping on companies. He's like right. Like, don't use this company for that. They screwed me over this way. Don't use oh, yeah? this company for that. They screwed me over that way. Right. He does a lot of that. Um, oh, yeah. I also, I cut a whole section. I forgot to mention. Um, right. I just, there's just it... too many. But I cut the uh, the whole section where he has a feud with A-Rod. Um, <laughs> 
but he he does he like tweets because he essentially that whole narrative goes he accuses a yeah. rod of cheating on j-lo um, okay and then every now and again just rips into a rod or like apologizes to j-lo in a tweet um and then he does stuff like happy mother's day to everybody except for a rod <laughs> <laughs> what stuff like that um so yeah then he he goes on to say um cloning will also be legal within 30 years once ai starts decimating the population um and then he Ooh. explains ai a bit by saying ai will run on mathematics science facts and common sense something this world is not willing to accept it's true just look at what they did to billy bean Exactly. Look what happened to Billy Bean. <laughs> no, wait. I forgot. They offered him a bunch of money, and then... No, I don't <laughs> think the world was that mean to Billy Bean, actually. No, they actually... In fact, there's a movie about him. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> An Oscar-nominated movie. Yeah. Um. So he changes directions again here. First lesson in dream control. Ask yourself, am I dreaming as much as possible? Once you ask that question while you're dreaming, you will know what to do. Limitless power and dream control. Gate to another life. Dream control door to another life. Dream life for everyone. If you die in your sleep, you stay in the dream state plane. So you better know how to control your dreams. <laughs> okay. So you know how you better know how to control your dreams. How do you control your dreams, you ask? Well, he tweeted, I'm going to teach dream control seminars. After you get your master's in dream control, you will be able to enter a facility where you will be put in a coma-induced dream state for whatever time you choose and be able to do whatever you want with no restrictions whatsoever. Do you know if he actually did these seminars? This is fairly recent. Okay. So I don't know. <laughs> but we should look into it. Yeah. Um, just in, in a bunch of series in a row, he wrote, The Truth Hurts. We need a legion of truth. And this is kind of what got me into doing this. That's the truth. <laughs> what, because he says truth so much? He does. He says, these are all about truth. He says, the truth hurts. We need a legion of truth. We should have a worldwide tell the truth day. The truth hurts. If you cannot handle the truth, delete my account now. I need an army of truth sayers, lie slayers. That's my favorite one. Truth lie slayers? That's a, good, that's a good turn of phrase. Army of truth sayer, lie slayers. Um, he posts a link to uh, him selling his Cadillac on eBay. Um, uh, that would be such a fucking... Do you know how much it sold for? I, the, it was taken down by the time I got to the link, so okay. I didn't see. <laughs> so I should know how much of an interesting curiosity that would be. Yeah. and like, I have Jose Canseco's Cadillac. <laughs> um, and now the last one that will lead us into our final section is i was born for this love to entertain my skin is as hard as a flying saucer shell <laughs> that's like a bit of poetry there from jose canseco yeah it's poetic all right so now is that you opening your bottle <laughs> yeah for the final section yeah cool so in the final section uh I've saved the best for last here. Um, so let's just go right for it. So his first tweet about aliens was 
I think July 31st in 2019. Um, That's the first one you saw at least. Yeah. As far back as I saw, that was the first time he tweeted about aliens. Mm -hmm. And he said, we are in communication with aliens with a very flexible body composition. So that's good. Um, this is he is he just closing his eyes and speaking to the aliens? I think he might be. Now is he, is he just like our our pal? Uh, what, was <laughs> what was his name from the Men in Black? Yeah, what was oh, his geez. name? Al. Um, Al. Uh, what was his name? The the Flying Saucer Society or whatever. Flying Saucer Bureau. Bureau. The FSB, that's right. Uh, Al Bender. Al Bender. Yeah, just yeah, like Al Bender. Just like, yeah. our, just like our pal Al Bender. But no men in black encounters, although maybe he is a man in... Oh, my God. You think Jose Canseco is a man in black? Just listen listen on and make okay. come to your own conclusions. Okay. These aliens are going to teach us how to try and travel... I think I'm, that's a typo on my part. I think he said time travel. These aliens are going to teach us how to try and time travel. The okay. brain can physically travel without the body. <laughs> so that's a good one. Okay. Um, aliens have been trying to teach us how to time travel, but first we have to change our body composition, which we are not willing to do. We have tried with animals and it has failed. That was a bit scary. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this guy has access to some secret Air Force documents. Yeah. That one just makes me imagine, like, Jose Canseco ripping apart small animals in his backyard. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, you said Jose Canseco is in Las Vegas, right? Yeah. Why? Uh, You know where Warp Drive Metrics is located? Oh my god, is it Las Vegas? It's also in Las Vegas. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just for the record, um, if anybody's looking, uh, the address for Warp Drive Metrics is 4849 San Rafael Avenue, Las Vegas, Nevada. Write them fan mail. Write those fan mail. We will send them a letter. Yeah. Yep. We'll, we'll address it to Philip Kessel. <laughs> yeah. For Philip Kessel's eyes only. Yeah. We should send Phil, Philip Kessel a signed picture of Phil Kessel. Yeah, we'd have to get a signed picture of Phil Kessel yeah, first. Yeah, that's true. So for the uh, the Super Bowl, I think it was the 2018 season, but it was in 2019. Okay. Um, He tweeted twice. Okay. Um, one was just before the game. He tweeted, I just time-traveled to the future and Rams win twenty-seven to twenty. Um, Wait, this and, this was the Rams versus the Patriots. Yeah. Oh, geez, that was the worst fucking Super Bowl I ever seen. Well, it's, uh, you know who agrees with you? Jose Canseco. Yeah, because after the well, game, well, because that's not what happened at all. <laughs> yeah, after yeah. the game, he tweeted, "Wow, what a lousy game! Those guys should be ashamed of themselves. I'm taking the alien off the payroll." Wait, what alien? The alien that took him to the future to see the right, twenty-seven okay, yeah, yeah. thirty victory. Sorry, yeah. I'm losing yeah. track. <laughs> yeah, New England actually won that game thirteen to three. Yeah, That's which a for the record is a pitiful fucking like fucking football yeah. Game. Like, there was what no kind scoring. Of Super Bowl. 
is thirteen to three. That's Zero score than... in the first um in the first quarter. That's that's sixteen fucking points scored total. Yeah, that's one team did not even score a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. Um that's only that means there's only there was only one touchdown in the entire game. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, that's pathetic. So, I mean, fuck you, Patriots. <laughs> well, yeah, well. Wow, we're really getting our Boston hate in. Yeah, I guess we it's not get specifically that Boston. Yeah. Um I mean, I'll, I'll never I'll never forgive them for what they did to Matty Ice. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> Um, he tweeted, come play golf with me and learn about aliens and time traveling. <laughs> so, and now this next one, this is a thing he does a lot. Um, okay. Come spend the day with me and my alien buddies. I'll show you Bigfoot and a real alien. Call Morgan. And then he just gives a phone number. Okay. So many of his tweets end with call Morgan and then he leaves his phone number or call Kelly. I considered calling, but then I thought, really, what am I going to get out of calling this person? You're going to find out who they are and then you're going to say you're going to mention them on the podcast. It's his agent. And I'm sure they would have told me. Yeah, I'm sure he mentions his agent and I'm sure they would have told me not to mention it on the podcast. They can't stop us. Yeah, exactly. Which is why it's best not. So, okay. uh, What's Morgan's number? Uh, I didn't actually write it down. It's okay, on his Twitter yeah. account. You just okay. scroll through. You'll find it almost instantly. Okay. Um, maybe we'll post it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Call Morgan. Call Morgan. Um, oh, this is intense. I forgot about this one. Okay. Okay, so this one he attached a video to, but it was just like a blank video. Um, and the, the, the caption was... Um, what did the alien say when he first met the human being? Translation, and then a bunch of ellipsis, and then WTF. Um, do you want to hear what the sound clip was? For the clip? <laughs> okay, sure. Okay, I'm gonna play. I recorded it. I'm gonna try and play it through my microphone. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did what you get that? <laughs> Did you get that? Yeah, what is that? That's what the alien said <laughs> when it first so, met the human being. So is so Jose Canseco is saying that that translates to WTF. Uh, I don't know what he's trying to say here. <laughs> um, I'd like to think that that's his communication with the alien <laughs> that he's sharing with us there. <laughs> Um, okay. So, but so you know how he's had this Bigfoot excursion. Yeah. That he's mentioned. Well, apparently people have been calling Morgan because he tweets, "Hurry up! Bigfoot excursion is almost full. The experience of a lifetime." Call Morgan. <laughs> Jesus. And then right after he says, "Last seat on the Sasquatch alien expedition is going for 10k. Contact Morgan." Ten thousand dollars. 10k. Do you, I don't know. Do you, Kate, do, do you think he people actually called Morgan and he actually got people to pay for... I, f- um, I, I feel like not every seat 
cost ten thousand dollars. Exactly. Just the last one or Or there was only one. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Um Oh jeez. Weird. So we're Uh, almost we're almost done here. There's a few more. Okay. If artificial intelligence takes over, aliens will feel threatened and then make themselves known to man. Um, aliens are watching us and they are watching our nuclear weapons to make sure we don't lose control. Um, and then he gets into AI. AI will destroy humanity and then aliens will feel threatened. Um, AI will acknowledge this. Is, he, he really f- thinks about AI a lot. Um, okay. Cause he, he also at one point discusses like the only perfect AI will be AI that creates itself so first we have to create AI, which will be imperfect, and then that AI will create more AI, and then that AI will create more AI, and then that AI will create more AI, and eventually it'll be perfect. That was kind of his theory. Um, Logic. A, uh, he said, this is a tweet, in 27 years, 6 months, 7 days, and 6 hours, humanity will change greatly. When did he say this? You know, I meant to write it down. Um Oh, okay, yeah, 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 here it is. You found it? On July 19th, 2017, 2019. So on July 17th. Let me, so 2019 plus 27 years is the year 2039. 2039. Uh, plus six months after July is... um. Uh, sorry, July, August. Right. Sorry? J- January, July, August, September, October, November, December, January. Okay, six so months, that's... Six right? Yeah, six months. So that's um, 2040, January, plus <laughs> seven days after the 19th. So the, the 26th. The 26th. Of January. At some hour. It, this doesn't say... Oh, yeah, so this was at one forty-five p.m. One forty-five p.m. So what? how many hours was it? Six hours? Six hours. So, well, sorry, one forty-five a.m. Of course it was. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, I don't know if this is the time zone that I'm in or the time zone that's oh, in. Of course, though, if it is his. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what is that, then? Let's assume it's... It's his time zone. Okay, so that would be 7.45 a.m. On on the 27th, that would make it then. The 27th of Or is it January. still the 26th? 26th or 27th of January, 2040. At 7.45 a.m. 7.45 a.m. All right, mark it in your calendars. Humanity will change greatly. Jose Canseco. I don't know. Is he... His his sources have known to be uh, unreliable, like that alien that he told them about the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's true. Maybe that's just yeah. It's, it's just trying to throw us off the track. I think he might be a prophet. No, I think he's he's getting information from the aliens, but the aliens are lying to him. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, and now it just it gets he just gets silly with this one. He says. I'm a Bigfoot, a Bigfoot. I'm a Bigfoot expert, and the most famous Bigfoot picture or video ever taken 
Um, in this, he's referring to the Patterson footage. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, nineteen sixty-seven. For all you Bigfoot. Bigfoot aficionados. Yeah. Um, I love Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do not uh, know much about it. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about Bigfoot one day. I'm um, sure. So he said, um, it was a costume. The individual wearing the costume was none other than Andre the Giant. Check it out. <laughs> okay. He posts a couple tweet about that. And then finally, his most recent tweet about Bigfoot and aliens. And I think this is, you know, caps it off. Puts us, dates us. He says, can Bigfoot or aliens get coronavirus? I need to know because I've had contact with them. <laughs> That's the best tweet. And there you have it. <laughs> oh, That's geez. the fucking truth. I don't know if there's enough scientific evidence to say whether or not aliens or Bigfoot could get coronavirus. Yeah, it's hard to say right now. We'd have to we'd have to have an active case, really. Yeah, we'd have to, to we'd have to do some trials on aliens. I don't know yeah. if that's uh, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Did I say anything that wasn't true there? Um. Okay, well, let me rephrase that. Did yeah. anything I say was true turn out to not be true? No, I don't think so. There you have it. There's the truth. That is the truth, people. So, so. <laughs> um, I guess we should just get back to the movie. Yeah, let's let's do our final thoughts and wrap this let's up. Let's do our final thoughts. I think the first thing I want to talk about was character development. We talked about it a little bit as we when we talked about production, but I think character development and actual um, character studies, as was as Amy Pascal put it, I think. Um, are super important to this movie. Um, yeah. Particularly when it comes to uh, Jonah Hill's character in a lot of ways. Yeah? Well, what do, what do you mean? Well, I mean, like, his... I know when I, before I watched this movie earlier, when I hadn't seen it that recently, I remember talking to you being like, oh, Jonah Hill's character doesn't really do much. Like, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do um, remember that. But then actually, I take all that back because, like, his character development is... is way more subtle but it's there um, yeah definitely um i mean there's that whole bit where he's gotta like you know he's gotta fire someone or sorry not or trade someone trade somebody yeah 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 and he's gotta tell the player exactly and, and, and his lines he just like his character becomes looser and like you know the, the scene that awesome scene where they're, they're like on the phone with everybody and like trading yeah people. yeah yeah which i still don't understand it's really hard to fucking follow isn't it yeah because like i get it <laughs> for like a while and then it stops making any sense at all yeah it loses me for sure it's like i'll have to look on what that trade actually was yeah i mean and like you know figure out like what actually happened but like if we were really dedicated that would have been the truth we would have explained what actually happened in that trade yeah but no it was just too confusing it's confusing but i mean um, i think that was kind of the point though in the movie exactly that was it was a device yeah. it was a device um and yeah but at that got, point uh rincon yeah at that point in the movie you know jonah hill is like you know he's dressed more relaxed he's acting more his whole character is like shifted in such a uh, like i just found like that was like such a book end to his character you know what i mean like he started it not yeah, even definitely. being able to talk um and then he's on the phone asking the owner for more money and like you know like 
the the face he makes when he gets it. You know what I mean? It's just like he he comes yeah, yeah, out of the, his shell. Which I'm sure that 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 face will end up on our uh, on our oh, Twitter and Instagram. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know. Like really, uh, a really good acting from him too. Yeah, you think? Yeah. yeah. Not necessarily Oscar worthy. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Oscar nomination yeah. worthy, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think I think more probably one of the reasons why he got nominated was because I think he just surprised a exactly. lot of people. Yeah, and I thought we haven't yeah. really talked. I mean, I guess we talked about it in the first episode a bit. I think that was the first episode. That like coming from super what? bad. Oh, the the first half of this yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, coming from super bad. Yeah, like you you wouldn't have expected him to be in this no, movie not really. at all. I, I think I'm kind of a sucker for this like whole uh, this whole kind of story. You mean like underdog story? Yeah, the underdog story, like a whole bunch of people that were like you know kind of written off and like they uh, they kind come... of stick it to the system. Yeah, no, that's and 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 then you know Billy Bean kind of gets his like redemption, you know. Exactly that redemption feel good formula. Yeah, where, like, um, you know, like, the whole arc that he has is, like, you know, super, uh, super satisfying. Yeah, exactly. It is. And, you know, the ending, I think it's the last scene where he's driving, listening to his daughter. It's just, it's it's just a nice way to. Yeah, it's, it's a nice end to the the movie. Yeah. Although, I, I, I do want, speaking of actually Villavian driving, uh, I, I thought, like, one of the odd things watching this movie, like, the second time, um, as I was doing the analysis for this movie, for this, uh, podcast, was, like, uh, like, Billy Bean seems like a really fucking reckless driver. Uh, they made him look like that in the movie yeah yeah like when he's angry like, he's like doing donuts and shit he's doing donuts in the fucking parking lot and shit like that and then he does that like he he like crosses he, like four lanes or yeah, something. yeah yeah when he's turning to around exit. to go back to the stadium yeah yeah totally reckless driver i agree <laughs> it just seems like an odd, odd touch but uh whatever well he's he i don't know it's maybe it's supposed to be part of his character like he he commits to things wholeheartedly, but he does it on a dime, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That might yeah. be reading too much into it. <laughs> well, no, but then there's also that, like... The, there's also the scene where they're... Uh, where they trade away all the players that that um, that yeah. Howe wants to play so yeah. that they'll play the guy. So that they'll play uh, Scott Hatterberg. Yeah, and he's like, "This is the decision that gets you fired as GM." Yeah, and then he just does it anyway. Um, yeah. So it is. You consistent. know, it's a problem that you think we need to explain ourselves. <laughs> this fucking sick line. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know. I really, I really liked uh, how that turned out. But also, just the acting from like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, where he, uh, where they're explaining to Art how like why he can't play those players oh yeah and he's like uh, <laughs> he's like you agree with us yeah he was one of my favorite characters yeah yeah he did a really good job uh you know you'd expect yeah yeah he, he, lots of talent all around yeah this is definitely in, one of those movies. pretty much every aspect of the movie yep 
and people dedicated to, to getting it right i think yeah like uh like seeing um like how committed to this movie brad pitt was throughout the entire process exactly and you know um people taking pay cuts to make it happen yeah and like once again it, it's so funny that like you know this like galvanized them so much when like if you were to just talk about this movie like on paper like just to summarize it it doesn't sound that interesting exactly yeah yeah but i mean yeah once again it's like you know every step of the way it just kind of like just like makes you care about it so much you know exactly yeah like it's just it's really good at extracting like emotions from people and like that is why it, it is as good as it is and it's as memorable oh yeah just how like how it was like so perfectly crafted to like extract like emotions from the viewer exactly yeah and like how how you like you feel so strongly about their their plan but yet it seems like <laughs> it seems like almost so like a banal and like uh fucking just boring when you when you explain it yeah exactly they really the fact that they managed to inject that drama into such a into such dry material is is exactly the the true success of the movie i think exactly and yeah you know also just like everything was so such so much attention to detail as well yeah and like i mean you really got the sense like at least with the um like it was uh it was like super accurate but also like all the things that weren't accurate were obviously done for a very specific reason yeah exactly like that song not being (laughs) temporally accurate yeah exactly but just too perfect to pass up exactly yeah So, so yeah i mean you know I, I just really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I, I can't really say anything bad about this movie. No, it's hard to fault. There's yeah. It's really hard to find anything to fault. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we uh, we uh, we spent a whole hell of a lot of time on uh, Jose Canseco, and I think, uh, I think that's pretty much all we got for today. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's a really good movie. Uh I guess we'll see you guys next week on uh Crinky Commentaries. Yeah, thanks for listening. Do uh we'll do some kind of movie that uh, we will tell you about soon. Indeed, yeah. You'll find out. You'll find out. Um through the regular channels. Through the regular channels. And uh so yeah. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Slow it down, make it stop. Or else my heart is going to pop Cause it's too much, yeah it's a lot To be something I'm not I'm full out of love Cause I just can't get enough Yeah, I'm just a little bit caught in the middle Life is a maze and love is a riddle I don't know where to go, can't do it alone I've tried And I don't know why I'm just a little girl lost in the moment I'm so scared, but I don't show it I can't figure it out It's bringing me down, I know I've got to let it go And just enjoy
enjoyed the show.